Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. Matt Smith, uh, he, sh- he might be joining us a little bit later in the episode. Uh, he he was super busy. He slept in a little bit uh, because he'd been traveling all over northern Canada, defending our sovereignty, and hanging out in hotels. Air Force. The, the sacrifices the Air Force makes is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I know. And it probably was like a cheaper motel than they're used to. Not a four-star. Because it's, oh. it's probably two and a half. Yeah, it's a five-star up north. <laughs> Hanging out watching the Aurora Borealis. Oh, the northern lights. The poor guy. I know. No. Suffering. You, that is why you, he's a hero. Yeah. He deserves he deserves the Queen Jubilee. Yes. Not you, not you, not you, Blaine. Not me. No. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I was just happy to get that. I, I didn't get it for work. I got it for the volunteer work I do. So that good that you. felt good. Yeah, good for you. Oh, I mean, you wouldn't get it for work, you don't do any, but uh it's good it's that you're point. You, it's good you got it for your volunteer work. I'm proud of you. <laughs> but I, I do a lot of stuff at work, like delegate and then disappear. That's... Oh, look, there's jobs. You guys do this. I'm going to be over there napping. That's why they pay me the big money. Yes, the big money. Big money. Uh, all right. So uh, before we kick it off, we are now, It's uh, we're recording, it's Sunday, the 6th of November. We're entering uh, Veterans Week. So on Friday coming up, it's Remembrance Day. So this entire week, uh, veterans are going to be going around, going to schools, talking to kids. Uh, people will be sharing stories. You'll, I'm sure History Channel will have all kinds of really... Really good shows replacing the uh, the aliens, uh, ancient aliens bullshit, with some actual history. Um, so you know uh, what, what we're asking is wear a poppy, check some of this stuff out, learn a little bit more about what's been done in the past, and give two minutes of your time on the eleventh. Just watched a Netflix movie. It's a remake of uh, All's Quiet on the Western Front, which gives a oh, the look- German one. It gives a look at the German side of World War One. Uh, very good movie, very well done. So, uh, it, like I say, it's a remake of the original from I think the eighties. And uh, anyway, if you want to see a good Saving Private Ryan from the other point of view, different war, but <laughs> um, it's a really good movie. It, 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 I highly recommend it. Yeah, uh, mine. Uh, my go-to is the Bridge on the River Kwai. Alec Guinness. Oh yeah. It's a classic. It's a classic. And of course there's always Band of Brothers. Oh, here's Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, please welcome the one, the only, 
Smith Smith. He's sort of here. There he is. There he is. Oh, hey. You look well rested. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) We did not make fun of you at all. I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't. Not once. Okay. More like 12 times, but not once. Okay. Well, I'm ready to go when you guys are. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, now that Matt's here, uh, for this episode, we got a lot of stuff that we can talk about. But what we're going to do is we're just going to talk a little bit about the first 10 games of the season, the Vegas game, where the Canadians are at. Um, we'll talk about some some issues that have come up in the NHL uh, and the, uh, I guess, the issue that we've seen come up with the Toronto Maple Leafs and why they're such gigantic wusses. You think that there's, there's some good reasoning behind that. So anyway, well, let's, let's just start it off with the, the Canadian side of the house. So last night, Saturday night, the Canadians played against the Vegas golden Knights who they're on a tear. They're one of the best teams in the league right now. Uh, They're a deep team. They're well-built. And the Canadians fell way behind, but then they they made the game that much more entertaining by climbing back in. Uh, I want to start with you, Treg, what you saw in that game that you really liked and maybe something you just didn't like. Uh, Well, I liked what I see every game from the Canadians, the no quit. Uh, They always seem to want to want to come back. Uh, I like the fact they were in the game till about the 11 minute mark of the third period. And then it kind of just went all, uh, you know, they scored three quick goals and that was kind of the game. Um, I, I got to say what I really like about Montreal is that Caulfield doc uh, Suzuki line uh, Caulfield Suzuki together have six, 16 goals out of the 34 Montreal has scored. So they're scoring 47% of the team's goals. But then again, that's what I don't like. Problem is, is that's the only line that's scoring. Um, so if they don't get goals or offense from that line, nobody else seems to be, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys out there working hard. Slavkowski, Monahan, even Druin. I thought Druin had a very good game last night, forechecking, backchecking, playing the game. Uh, whether I would have had him and Huffman out there in the final minute with the net empty, mm, I don't think so. Um, but, uh, I love how they finally have one of the better lines in the NHL. It's working for them. Um, it's creative. Doc looks amazing. He's, he, he ended up being the perfect guy for that line, even though we thought he was going to be the two C don't think he's going to be the two C anymore. I think he's going to be that, the, the, the winger on that line, at least for this season. Um, so yeah, I like the no. I like Allen's game. Like I, I don't blame Allen for the the few goals that went in in the end. I mean the the tip and then they, uh, whatever happened on the fifth goal there. But uh, uh, I thought he had a hell of a game. He kept the team in it until again it fell apart. But again, they're up against one of the better teams. I think they've won seven in a row now. Uh, Montreal, I think, has lost three in a row. Uh, but this is what we expect from Montreal. We're not expecting them to be contending for a playoff spot. Um, they're actually probably better than most people thought they would be at this point. Um, they're pretty much right at where I thought they would be a little under 500. I think that's where they're going to stay. Uh, so yeah, I, everything was positive in the game. Everything so far this season has been positive for Montreal win or lose. Uh, the team is exciting. They're creating offense. Uh, they're, they're, they're keeping the fans engaged and they're not getting blown out of the water by anybody. Well, and that's the thing the the team, I know a lot of people were kind of concerned that the Canadians are going to drop out of uh lottery pick contention here. And we've been saying it, all three of us have been saying it since before the season started. We're not expecting them to be in the top five at the draft, no. maybe top no. 10. And there was some concern because the Canadians looked so good in those first few games, but you meant you brought up the, the reasoning behind why I think they're going to drop off and it's, they're a one line team. 
while there's a lot of really good pieces, they don't have enough to really, well, they, they should have enough to make a couple of lines, but only one line's really showing up. The the other lines just are gelling. I don't know if it's no. just not getting the right combination together. I don't know. Personally, I think Slavoski should move up in the lineup. Uh, he's been improving every game. I think if you can put him on a line with, say, Monaghan and Druid, I think maybe you might have something going on there. Um, At least with Monaghan. Monaghan's been yeah. there every game. He's consistent. He's producing. Uh, the The game against Vegas, he had a couple of opportunities that he had generated that just didn't get uh, get converted because, again, like you mentioned, the li- his line isn't gelled. So well, I no. wouldn't mind having Slavoski up there. No, put like move, move him up. Like it's a time. I mean, they started now. St. Louis said from the start he's going to start him slow. Yep. Get him used to the NHL ice, get him used to the speed, start him off slow. So this kid averages what, 10 minutes a game? It's just a, a, just over 10. Just over 10. And he's on pace for 27 goals. So over uh, an 82 game season. Yeah. Over an 82 game season. So, I mean, that's good, <laughs> right? Like for a rookie. Considering okay, last year's last year's goal rookie goal leader only had twenty four, so uh, for him to to be on that pace now, if you give him a few more minutes, put him on a a, a line with a good passer, a good puck controller, uh, which Slavoski also is, by the way. Um, Slavoski's issue right now is he doesn't know when to shoot or pass. That that's his biggest uh, his biggest issue. He a couple times in that Vegas game he had a chance to shoot and he didn't. He looked for the pass, uh, except when he scored. Uh, and that was a hell of a pass by Caden Gooley, by the way, to to, to get it over to him. Um, so if he can get on with a veteran like Monaghan that can, you know, say, hey, you just get open. You know what I mean? I'll work the puck, you get open, and maybe throw, you know, Anderson or Druin. Or, Anderson's not a great passer, but he can shoot the puck. Slavoski is a good passer. So maybe that can get Anderson going if he's not suspended for uh, one to three games. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Or or maybe even Druin. Druin's a, a really good passer. And like I say, Druin seems to be engaged. He just doesn't seem to be getting the puck on a stick or getting himself into situations where he can create anything. Um, it looks like the game, it, he's still playing a game from like a few years back before he started getting yeah. all the injuries. yeah. It's just not. I don't know. He, he's a he's an enigma to me this year because he doesn't look like he's playing bad, but he's not generating anything either. So, like he seems like he's trying, which yeah. is different from before. Like he's trying to get the puck. He's he's battling on the boards. He's forechecking, but he doesn't seem to create anything when he does anything. So it's it's weird. And what about you, Matt? What did you see in the game last night? So I saw a team that was in the game up until. Pretty much the same time as Drake said, um, but I, I agree with everything that you said. Um, it, it, it's it, it's great that Suzuki is is playing well and, and Caulfield and Doc and that line is is gelling so much. But I agree one hundred percent. That's the only it's the only scoring line that they have right now, and you're you're seeing guys that are playing with some effort. Um, I agree with everyone that you named off. I'll throw Gallagher in there as well. Um, the guy's motor is going. It's just there's no finish. Um, and I do agree that Slavkovsky should move up 100%. I think the thing that um, probably upsets me the most is the fact that um, in, in general and in last night's game, a lot of the mistakes that were made that led to goals were really Montreal's own fault. And they came from a lot of their veteran players. And we've seen that quite a bit. Like you, you can point at a young defense. You can point at some of the youth within the lineup. And um, yes, they've made their faults throughout the year, but a, a lot of the times it's been these veteran players that have either not stepped up to the plate or they've made their own mistakes that have led to some of these games. And like, I think that um, Govasovic should probably be back in the lineup the next game because I think Weidman made a, a few too many issues. Um, I don't know what's going on with Hoffman, but he just is not engaged whatsoever. And I, yeah, I know the guy's got a shot, but he's not demonstrating it this year. And 
it, it, the the plays just go to go to die when they get on his stick. And I tweeted out prior to the game that it's going to probably be a long game for Monahan being on a line with two guys that don't really give too much effort. And I and I agree that Drouin had a better game on that line compared to say a guy like Hoffman. And, and I and I, I think would have that... had I had a better game than Hoffman, <laughs> and I wasn't even there. The funny thing about Hoffman, not to interrupt you, but that's great. Analytically, he's yeah. one of the better. He's one of the better players on the team. If you look at his analytics and natural hot, natural stat trick, yeah. he's he's almost tops on the team, and it makes no sense because you watch him. It's yeah. like Mete. It's yeah. like Victor Mete. Yeah. Analytics are great, but that's right. you watch the game and he looks terrible. That's why I'm an. Looking guy. at the an- <laughs> yes, but if you look at the analytics, still, it's it's not just hit the uh the performance with the course he four and all that it's hmm. deployment and right. you look at who he was paired yeah. up against he did not face off against the top two lines hmm. and that's why his numbers look better yeah. even though he's yeah. he's flubbing his shots he's flubbing his passes i i noticed at least twice probably several more times where he he'd take a puck at the top of the circle try to do a quick little spin to you know like pick up a little bit of like a spin for deception like a half spin and then wanting to maybe i don't know make a pass across or a quick shot but it just flutter off his stick directly onto the blade of a golden knight right he he tried to do a one-timer from behind the net think about that yes yeah yeah with with a minute and a half left in the game net empty he tries to do a one-timer from behind the net silver lining though he would have hit the net yeah, the back of it. <laughs> Which, I mean, normally he's hitting the boards behind the net. So that that's, that's true. We're, we're moving up, stepping forward, so to speak. <laughs> um. So over the start of the, uh, the the full season here, we're looking at the entirety of the season thus far. Clearly, the deceptions for us would be Hoffman and Drouin's lack of production. But is there any other downside? Matt, I'll let you go first. Right now for myself, and I don't know if we're going to get into this later on about a possible trade, anything like that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, it's the it's the fact that you're you're having to uh, deploy these, these, these players throughout the lineup, and it, it's taking – it's not necessarily taking playing opportunity away from other players. It's just it's kind of a revolving door, and I and I find that it's been um, kind of the downfall of the bottom six is the fact that you know you got Armia back, and I don't think that it, it's t- it's going to take some time for him to get his uh, his um, you know kind of get his gel back in, into the lineup. But um, but right now, like Pizzetta's played a game, Petlick's played I think six or seven. Uh, Dadnov's played eight and he's been, now he's out injured. Drouin's been sitting, uh, Hoffman's been sitting and like, you can't really say that any of these guys have really went out there and performed at all. Um, it hasn't really been the same for the defense because up until the other day, it's really been, it's really been the, the same defensive core that's been going out. Um, I think I think that would be for myself. I think that would be their biggest uh, their blunder, I guess, or their biggest downfall at this at this point in the year. It it goes back to like Rem Pitlick's had a terrible year. Rem Pitlick's he terrible has. this year. He has. He like, has not terrible. looked. He has not he looked up to. He can't make a good pass. He can't hit the net. He's not skating like he did last year. He's not getting himself open. Like I like the in and out of the year. lineup. Is he in and out of the lineup because of that, or is he playing like that because he's in and out of the lineup? Well, see, that's where you, you got to look at it. And uh, until they make a move to free up the space, because, I mean, they got 15 forwards. So there's three guys sitting every night. Yeah. Um, I, I know St. Louis wants to keep the young defenseman on the team. He he wants them to stay. I think they want uh, – I don't know if we're going to get into Slavkowski later with his uh, games or anything, but uh, uh, Slavkowski technically only has one more game, and uh, if he plays it, then, then you you lose a, his, his ELC won't slide, um, and I think I don't think it was it. going to anyway. 
No, I don't. But that's the talk. That's the social media talk right now. Oh, send them to Laval. We don't want to lose here. You're going to lose the year regardless. Like, like, keep him where he's at. Because he's play, playing in Laval, that there's no slide. Well, there, there is. There is for him because he's European. He will get the slide if he plays. If he plays more than nine games in the NHL, he 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 still gets the slide if he goes down to Laval. But uh, um. To do that, you have to make room. And in order to make room, you either got to bury a five and a half million dollar contract in Lavelle. Yeah. But let's be honest, if Dadanoff or Hoffman get put on waivers, no one's picking them up. No. Right. Uh, it's probably same with Druin. Um, nobody's picking any of these guys up if they go to Lavelle. Now, whether they'll report to Lavelle or whatever, that's a different story. It doesn't really matter. Um, from what I hear from Marco D'Amico, Hughes is on the phone constantly trying to make a trade. Uh, Blaine, you mentioned that uh, Washington is looking, although Pierre Lebrun said they don't think it's that serious as at first. Um, But a move got to be made. Something got to be done in order to make room. Because you have Mike Matheson coming back uh, in a few weeks, three weeks, I think, three or four weeks. So... That means a defenseman's going to have to. You're 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 not going to you're not going to have eight defensemen on the team. It's just not going to happen. Um, so could we see Weidman or Savard or, you know, is one of the rookies going to go to Laval? Which I don't think. I think. Well, actually, I do think. But uh, is that the right move for that young guy after he played so well for the first two three months of the season? And let's be honest, the rookie defensemen have been playing better than the veteran defensemen. Some of them, yeah. It's true. I'll give Evanson a break. Evanson had a terrible game in Vegas. He Me gave too. the he gave the puck away twice at the blue line. One led to a goal, one led to a breakaway saved by Allen. But he's he only also had one. some really good moments. He did, he but did. he's only played two games. He's only yeah. played two games this season. So yeah. I'll, I'll give him a break on that. But I mean Savard, I'm not I'll give him a break too, because he's blocking shots like crazy. He's playing against the top uh lines every night. He's playing higher than he should be. He's uh he's a Third pairing defenseman, not a first pairing defenseman, and he's playing with Gooley, who's a rookie, and he's trying to help him in the zone and stuff like so. Again, uh, to me, Weidman's—I mean, we're getting on a different subject, but Weidman's the odd man out, in my opinion. If you want to keep the young guys in 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 Montreal, when uh, Matheson comes back, you're not getting rid of Matheson, that's for sure. No. I was no. excited. I was excited for him to get into the lineup, and then you get the you know you kind of get the call that during a preseason game he gets injured, and it's like son of a bitch. <laughs> I wasn't surprised to be honest. I mean, he's, uh, he's there's a lot of mileage on him, yeah. and he's a big guy. His back is an issue now, and when you when they say it's a back issue, that always comes back. Always. Right. I mean, you look at uh, look at PK PK Subin. He had back and neck issues, and look how his game just nosedived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's so, it's because of his injuries, not because he got old. It's because of his injuries. I mean, it's going to be uh, if you look at the team, you look at Huffman and Drew and the way you're playing. Are you going to be any worse with Yolonen and uh, Harvey Pinard on the team? Well, you're gonna have well, and guys. Just... You're you're gonna have guys that are gonna be putting up a hell of a lot more effort. And like, I I was looking at a guy like Heineman, who I thought that played quite well during the preseason, and then had the unfortunate injury to his hand. He might have been one of those first call up type players. Um, the the problem is like you look at the guys that aren't playing in the lineup right now, and I think they've if you um. Or not that are playing in the lineup, but are kind of the the ones that are in the shuffle. Um, I think they've played a combined thirty five games, and they've only put up four points. And those points have come from Hoffman and Drew. Uh, one has two assists, the other has a goal and an assist. So the 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 bottom six is really not doing anything for the Canadians right now. It's more of a liability than anything. And you. It, would- you would think in a shuffle like that, they'd be playing harder. To you would think hey, you would think so, yeah. I need to be put in every night, especially like a guy like Rim Pitlick, who's technically in his second year, technically yep. second yep. full year. Yep. He'd be saying, hey, man, like I, I deserve to be in this lineup. And nobody's really playing like that. I will say Druin, putting a little bit more effort in. Yeah. Um, 
but he's just not producing. And yeah. when you have a guy as aged as Druin is, if he's not producing, then it doesn't matter what type of effort he puts in. Same with Huffman. Yeah, and this kind I of think makes it's me more. I think it's more. You gotta you gotta move some of these guys out. Not not for cap savings, not for more production. It's to open up those spaces for the young players, like you mentioned, Trey. Yelonen is lighting it up in the AHL right now. Mm-hmm. He's leading the the Laval Rocket, and he's playing great hockey. He deserves to be called up, but you can't get a call up because there's 15 freaking forwards. Right. You, there's less ice time to be shared. Uh, Slavkovsky, we talk about giving him a larger, a little bit of larger role. Well, he can't get in on the power play if all these other guys are in there too. So if you move a couple of these guys out, it forces St. Louis to rely a little bit more on these younger guys. Now, I'm not saying he's doing a bad job of it, but what he's trying to do is trying to give the veterans as much as he can to make themselves show that they have value. He's doing it, I think, to help the player, but also to help management because management wants to move these guys. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. They're getting the leeway, but they, they're doing nothing with it. Well, and, and that's just it. Like, I mean, before the season started, we were all excited about Dadanov and Druin and Monaghan. We were thinking, oh, trade deadline. You know, if Druin can make a comeback in his contract year, Dadanov can score his 20 goals that he normally does in, in, in a season. Monaghan gets his game back. Man, we could have all these prospects of first-round picks. As it looks right now, the only one of any value right now is Monaghan. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. He's the only one that has a chance of getting a first round pick by the deadline. Or a or a A B class prospect. Yeah. Whatever. But whatever. But I mean but you're looking chance, at a first round pick. A, a chance. chance. Yeah. Uh the other two, you'd be lucky you get a bag of pucks. Um if you if you eat half their contract. That that's right. And I think any move that uh Hughes, and I do think he's gonna make a move within the next couple of weeks, he's made he has no choice. He, he's going to be keeping money. Or he's going to be taking money back, one or the other. Yeah, he's going to have to take a contract back with Dadanov on the IR until Monday. Uh, the, the, tomorrow's Monday the seventh, so he's on the IR until then. Um, once he's back, the Canadians roster goes to twenty-four. Someone's got to move. So, do they do a paper move of moving one of the uh, the young guys down, like uh, Slavkovsky as a forward? He can go down without clearing waivers or one of the young defensemen or do does he have something where he can move Dadnov out but he has to eat half the contract and take a contract back in return yeah he's in, he's in a tough situation like if anything Dadnov turned out to be not a great trade for uh for 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 Hughes at the time yes it was a good trade it was an expiring contract it really didn't matter he got rid of Weber's LTIR Yada yada yada, but I mean, it's not turning grand out scheme. The way. It's really, it wasn't that. It's still not that bad of a deal no. in the grand scheme no. of things. It'll be it, a good deal at the end of the year. <laughs> yes, it, it, All right, it, when it, the that's box. the goal. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think the 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 it, when they were making the deal, I think the idea was if he has a pretty good season, look what we can get at the trade deadline. Right. And right now you're it has not worked out. Now, if he can get rid of him without taking money back or maybe just hold on to half of his salary or whatever it is, then Hughes is a fucking genius. But, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, the the Kirby Doc trade is turning into be one of the most geniuses moves in the last. I mean, I thought Bernie was good at trades. This was a steal. Yeah, it takes me to pleasant surprises. And he was one of my pleasant surprises so far this season. Uh Right now, Doc is on the top line on the wing. I think this is going to last for a little bit, but it's a temporary fix. I think he's going to end up back at center because their I, their plan was to make him a center, to try him out at center, and they need a full season of that. So him on the wing right now on the top line, that's great. He looks really good there. And in the future, that might be his role. But right now, the team is going to keep him. They're going to try and keep him as a center. But he is one of my surprises, my pleasant surprises this year, because he's on pace for 70 points. His career high before this was, I think, 25 or 28, 29. I think it wasn't even 30 last year. 
Yeah. So 70 point season, that's kind of a breakout season. A little bit. And you can tell he's got more to give on top of that. So if he turns into a, a 70 to 80 point winger, that's still a, a huge win on the trade. If he turns into a 50 point center, still a win. I, I'm going to disagree with you, Blaine. I think they're going to keep him at the wing. I, I know what you're saying, but I think because they can get a very good center in this draft, even if they picked up top 10. I think you're stupid. I think you're stupid. <laughs> How could you disagree with me? That's stupid. And you also have uh, you also have <laughs> Beck coming up. I think Beck could be in the NHL yep. next year, and he's going to play center. So do you really need Doc as your number two center? No, you don't, because I think Beck or whoever you get in this year's draft could be your number two center. Oh, um, absolutely. And Doc still hasn't mastered the face-off yet. Um, so although I, I get what you're saying, and and, and I, I'm not against it, I, I think they found where they want him. I think if this continues, they're not going to break it up until it starts slumping. Until they start yeah. not producing, they're not they're not going to break it up. And right now, just Caulfield and Suzuki alone, it doesn't look like they're going to slow down. I mean, they're both on pace for 90 points. Uh, so I think they're both on pace for 50-some-odd goals. Um, it's, I mean, when was the last time we had a 90-point score? Kovalev, I think, was our last 90-point I don't game. even think he hit 90. He had 89. Yeah. He had 89. 89. Okay. So uh, uh, I think the last 90-point player was, no, Domfus. Domfus, yeah, 93. In the late 90s. Yeah. And then our last 50-goal guy was Stefan Richer in the 80s. So, and that was 51. Um, yeah. So it's going to be, I mean, if they keep the pace up, it's only 11 games, but if they keep the pace up, man, we're on. Uh, I mean, Suzuki looks pretty good for a guy who has one of the 10 worst contracts in the NHL. Oh, I actually tweeted that too. Uh, yeah. It's funny. You look at, you look through that, you look through that list. Some of those guys on that list are having pretty good seasons. Yeah. You know, Suzuki being one, Eric Carlson being the other one. Well, let's be honest. I when coming into the season, Eric Carlson's contract looked terrible. It no does. Knew. It, yeah. it, it, it does. But if we're talking about that and like, oh, they're the worst yeah. contracts and everything, like the guy's kind of he's you know, he's on a bad team, but he's got to turn him back time. And I've never been a Carlson fan, but I see him put up ten, eleven goals to start the year as a defenseman. You know, the he's going to. The, the thing about Suzuki is, where did he come with that? Like Suzuki was improving every year he played. And then he comes out and says, "Oh, this is a terrible contract." Well, yeah. the contract didn't that... even start. Yeah, yeah. You're basing... yeah. <laughs> so anyway, his thing was his his model had uh, Suzuki's contract being two million two million overvalued. At yeah. this, so he was he should be about a five million dollar player. But the season he used to to make that assessment, he was on an ELC, so he was four million over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> overvalued. So. Uh, his it so this uh this guy Dom he uh, at the athletic Lecision I'm sorry if I'm messing up your name, uh I it's even I mess that one up that that's pretty bad, um. But his his uh his model is flawed and he state he states it at every turn in the article, huge grain of salt huge grain of salt like he's trying to do a sabermetrics, Vakoda type, um projection so you look that up if you don't know what i'm talking about look up sabermetrics and the vakoda uh predictive program it was abandoned back in the early 2010s because it was just so bad but he's using it to project these contracts and he says take a grain of salt take a grain of salt funny thing is i didn't see a single toronto maple leaf contract in that that list and well, you can't tell fan. me well, nonetheless you can't tell me that you know you can't say well maybe Tavares might be a little bit overpaid maybe 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 as an honorable mention at 11 or 12 but maybe i think what you're well, trying to say is that um suzuki should have been traded for wayne simmons a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> Norman Flynn. Oh, oh. Is that we wouldn't that be in one the, of the, Is that we wouldn't be in this mess at all? Does, does no, Norman Flynn still have a job? Yes, he still works at RDS. Um, 
Yeah, so you would have traded him for a Wayne Simmons, and suddenly Suzuki's contract would be one of the best best kept league. secrets in the league. Of course, of course. <laughs> but and so that makes Suzuki and Caulfield are pleasant surprises as well for me because they're producing so well starting off. Yeah, and it's not just the production. Caulfield's game overall has been a massive increase over last year. It's not just him scoring. It's his defensive positioning, his uh, his engagement in the game, his intensity level. He has really, really stepped it up. And I think what we're looking at is the emergence of an actual NHL star player wearing a Montreal Canadiens uniform. It's been a long time. Yeah, he's he's slowing the game down when he he, he goes over the blue line and and guys are either backing up, they're giving him the space that he needs, and then he's able to create and be able to kind of uh, use his edge work to kind of make the plays that he needs to play. It's not just, uh, okay, I'm going to come in on the rush, I'm going to shoot my shot, oh, it went in, oh, it didn't go in, um, and, and then he skates back the other way. Like, he, he is really developing into a more complete player, and I, and, I, and I love to see that with this guy, especially when you have as good of a passer as Suzuki and now dock on your on your other wing well doc's there he's creating the space that we thought slavkowski or anderson would do although he's doing it better because he can actually win the board battles and uh, nothing against slavkowski because he's he's just young but he's winning the board battles he's he's doing what he needs to do to get the puck open and get the the puck to suzuki and caulfield now you say uh you're seeing a star being made in Caulfield. i think you're seeing star also being made in suzuki yeah on that four-on-three power play, Suzuki purposely went out of the zone to create speed to come down on that uh, on that play, knowing that he was going to get the puck back. Now, if you ever notice our power play, Suzuki's always looking for Caulfield, and Caulfield's always looking for Suzuki. I don't know if anyone's ever noticed that. However, they're doing it in such a way that, you know, they're also watching where the defensemen are. Right. So if Caulfield's looking for Suzuki, Suzuki's looking for that open space to get the pass and vice versa, um, which is why I think the power play is improving. It's because they're changing the looks that they're getting. And now when you have Suzuki and Caulfield as a threat, they're not sure which guy to cover more, which before they were just trying to get us. Let's get it to Suzuki. Let's get it to this or not Suzuki uh, Caulfield. Let's get it to Caulfield. Uh, now I had this little argument yesterday about who quarterbacks the power play. I believe Suzuki quarterbacks that power play because Suzuki's the guy who brings the puck in and Suzuki's the guy who's looking to move the puck into the open position to get the shot. Now, most people will say, oh, no, it's the defenseman on the blue line. It is not. It's the Suzuki, it's Suzuki quarterback in the power play from the boards. Um, I was called a clown for saying that on Twitter yesterday, but okay. Um, <laughs> I don't see why they needed that. I just call you a clown anyway. I mean, look at your well, wall. It looks, like a, it looks like a man's junk on there. Hey, The I'm old phallic a, symbol. I'm a bodybuilder. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. You can say that you are now an actual honest to God bodybuilder. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, having said that, so I think you got two guys stars in the making. I think you're going to have, you know, I think maybe not this year, but I think Caulfield's going to get his 50 goals. I'm not saying it's going to be this year. I think Suzuki's going to get his 90 points, maybe a hundred if they can improve that offense, the secondary offense. Um, things are changing in Montreal. It's not the, it's no longer the defense first um type whatever and then you have on the back end you have guys like Gooley and and harris and uh uh the young guys jack eye they're all going to be top nhl well not top nhl players but they're all going to be effective nhl defensemen Gooley's probably i'd say in two three years could be in the norris talk if they take away all the offensive points um <laughs> You know, let's let's have a let's have a Bobby Orr Award and I don't know a Ray Bork Award. You know, a best defensive Lyle Odeline, whatever. You know, like something the the Josh George's Award. <laughs> Speaking of awards, I want to award Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs the the Wuss Award of the season. It's early, but I believe he's earned it. Now, I know the arguments are, hey, he's a 60-goal scorer. He doesn't need to be fighting. And I'm I'm going to agree with that. He does not need to be fighting. But he also, 
because he's not supposed to be fighting, he should be starting shit either. No. No. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say this. Cockney went after him. Yes. And he, he it, and I, I give I give him credit. I give Matthews credit for going toe-to-toe with Correct. him on, uh, for a little bit. But. Now, no, Matthews did not have to fight him. But at least engage in the scrum that's going on around it. Well, so that was that was my issue. My issue wasn't the fact that he didn't fight. My issue was the fact that he basically just went, oh, "Okay, you guys got it." I'm just he was out. he initiated he, he, he initiated the contact though. He's yeah, the one, he's uh, the one that gave yeah. the he's the one that gave the slash. So like, I can understand why Connecty would be frustrated well, and be like, "Come on, buddy, you're going to give me a slash? Fucking do something." Well, about actually, Connecty cross checked him first, and then Matthew slashed. Him. Well. He didn't cross-check him first. He went in, and Matthews is in front of the net. Konechny gave him a little shoulder-to-shoulder shove. Correct, and then yes. Matthews cross-check, cross-check back, slash, 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 cross-check, cross-check. Typical and hockey. Then, typical, typical front net hockey. Yes. Right? Yeah. Then they and then in the Matthews, poof. Then they went in the corner, and Matthews put his hands up, went like this. And then Cotney, and then Bunting came running in because Bunting's some kind of hero. And then as soon as... Bunting I mean, and... he, did, he was backing up his his teammate. Yeah, and, and perfect. Yeah, Jordiano G- G- came in, did the same thing, and then as soon as them two came in, Matthews just like, all right, I'm just gonna skate away. Ha 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 ha! Look at you, you came after me. Now everyone's gonna beat. Yeah, it's like the guy, the bully in the schoolyard who has two other bullies that protect him. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm gonna start shit, but then I'm just gonna back away and let these two guys. You know, it's like. I don't know. It's like the mafia hit guy who, uh, you know, the mafia boss, because he does kind of look like a mafia boss who, you know, gets his goons to do everything for him after he starts everything and he just walks away. I didn't mind the fact that Buddy Giordiano jumped in. I, I didn't thought, mind I, that. I like that. You protect your star player. And I don't think Matthews needs to fight. I don't care how big he is. He's not there to fight. He's there to score 60 goals and win hockey games by scoring. However, don't disengage from the altercation. Grab someone. Guy comes in late, grab him. Hold on to him. It doesn't matter what you do, right? But at least be engaged in what's going on. Don't just back away and let everyone else take your shit. That's the issue I had with it. Yeah. it, it I find that's very – it's a very selfish thing for, to do when you do that. And this isn't the first time he's done it. He has done it often. Look at, the, look play, at, the, play- look at the playoffs with the Canadians. Ben Sherratt, yeah, shaking around. <laughs> that's you know, that's that's what he did. And like, yeah. I get it. You're trying to draw a penalty, but at least engage. You don't have to fight. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like, like a lot of people right now are shitting on Mike Rupp for coming out and talking about this. And there, I have a just a small little paragraph from his from his uh, his speech about it. And he says, uh, I quote. He doesn't have to fight here, although he's the one who started the whole thing as far as going after him in the corner. But you can't just stand there and be with be okay with your teammates coming to your defense and you just laugh about it. We've seen this movie. I've seen it time and time again with Austin. Playing the cool card doesn't work. It doesn't float. It may look cool on social media, but in that locker room, at some point, it will wear thin. And then you have Leaf fans say, oh, well, he's a shit disturber. Well, if he's a shit disturber, at least engage. Yeah. Engage in your shit. That's right. Right? Like, yeah. don't. Brad, Brad don't. Marchand is a shit disturber. But he also engages. Brad Marchand is also and he, and, right? and he can engage. And a lot of right. other people tried to bring up, well, um, Nathan McKinnon doesn't do this or this person doesn't do this. Nathan McKinnon will stand up for himself. He doesn't need to because he's got other guys on his team, but he'll stand up for himself. And so will the majority of the star players within the league. Sidney Crosby's got to do a few fights. Yeah. Although he didn't yeah. have to. He didn't um, know that he didn't, the other guy didn't know that he was in it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is but, what it is. <laughs> but it is what it, and I, again, I'm not saying Matthews has to fight, but at least be engaged in the Pro altercation. That's, really, that's what it kind of comes down to. Right. Have a yeah, little bit respect. of pushback. I don't care what people say. If you played on a sports team and you have a player that does that, your locker room will start losing respect for that player. Yeah. I don't care. They'll still jump in for him. Yeah. But they'll start losing respect for that player. I've seen it many times on sports teams. I've played on on many sports. I've seen it many times. 
Same with the guy who flops around on the ice all the time pretending he's injured after every goddamn hit. Stutzel, I'm talking about you. You know what I mean? Um, you know, they lose respect now. Of course, they're not going to go to the media and say, oh, well, Buck Austin got to start picking that shit. They're not going to say that because, I mean, I've seen the threads where people going, oh, well, his teammates don't care. They do care. Yeah. They are going to care. Yeah. Right? And this is the issue in Toronto. Toronto fans think their stars do no wrong, right? Although I will say Fulton Reed and a couple other guys, they weren't happy with it. You know what I mean? They they said, hey, man, that's not right. Again, nobody's saying he needs to fight. Just engage. Grab a guy. Yeah. You know, do do this with your glove. Do the cotton and I mean, punch him in the face with your glove on. <laughs> right? Star players, star players do end up, because they're engaged in the play, they do end up fighting once in a while. Even Wayne Gretzky with Dave Semenko and Marty McSorley on his wing, still has a fighting major to his credit. It was a horrible fight. He did terrible, but he was in it. But he was willing to engage. He got his ass kicked. I've seen it. It wasn't much engagement, but he was there. (laughs) He was there. He was willing to engage. Unlike Matthews, and like you said, a team sport, you're doing this not just for yourself, but for, for your teammates, you're standing up for everybody. And I mean, this guy's not going to fall if he throws a couple of punches with a glove on, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, or grab a guy's Jersey, push him down to the something. ice, anything. And I, this is a microcosm of why I think this team, that team is not going to do anything in the playoffs is because their star players aren't willing to do the work necessary. Nylander doesn't even go in a corner. It's true. But let's, thinks, let's be honest. He, he thinks the rink is round. A corner. He won't go in <laughs> a corner. He thinks the rink is round. I mean, the only one right now who's really given it his all is Tavares. Yeah. 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 But I mean, but if Toronto, you want this, Toronto has the talent, so they're they're going to make the playoffs. They're gonna they'll make the playoffs. But what happens when they're in the playoffs? They constantly choke. And why do they constantly choke? Because they're constantly hiding behind referees and other players, hoping someone else is going to do the work for them. Uh, until they, they bring in, until they're they, willing to step up. Right? They bring the in, is. they bring in their their snarl at the trade deadline, and they give it's up. Fun. No, that's what they do, though. They they bring that in. They bring in these these. Uh, these more physical players are these more hard to play against players at the deadline. And then they give up their futures for it. Then it goes nowhere. Or they trade their futures to get rid of a contract. That too. That too. But I mean, I don't know. Toronto got two years left. And if they don't do anything, they're back in rebuild mode anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Matthews at Mullet Mullet Arena. With his mullet. Yes. And that cheesy, it's cheesy skulling. mustache. It, it'll, it'll probably be a skullet then because he's losing all his hair. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, uh, speaking of Phoenix, that brings me to the final point that we were going to talk about in this episode. And that is the, uh, the Mitchell Miller signing. So he was a Phoenix draftee. The, the Coyotes dropped him. After the after the draft, when everything came out of him bullying and abusing a handicapped African American at school, a younger kid, he was picking on him. He was he did some horrible horrible stuff, said all kinds of racist crap. So Arizona said, "Fuck this, you're out." Bruins, however, said, "By the way, for multiple years, not just a one time incident. It was yeah, like you're you're right." It was several years. Now Boston has gone out and signed this kid. And I I see there's a lot of people upset. Granted, they should be. This kid should not be in the league. But you, Treg, brought up some very good points on Twitter. And you do look a little bit bruised. Was it it that bad of a threat? Well, I mean, I took some heat for it, but. Because I think I worded it wrong. All I said was, let's not, this kid's true colors will come out. So let's be honest here. 
he's not doing this because he actually feels bad for what happened to the kid. He's doing this because he wants an NHL career. Uh, all I said when it came out was, okay, yeah, this kid did what he did. Um, you know, but however, let's look at all the facts first. Let's see how this kid's going to improve himself in the future and see what this kid's going to do to make amends for what he did. And then, and then if he, he doesn't do it in the right way or only does it for himself, his true colors will come out. That's what I said. So basically I just said, Hey, let's see how this kid, you know, reacts to all this. Let's see if he's actually going to do something similar to what Logan Mayu did. Logan Mayu from the start took full responsibility for what he did. His apology to the victim at first wasn't taken very well by the victim. Granted, you know, uh, but he cooperated with the police. He, he, him and his agent said, I don't want to be drafted. I don't think I'm ready for the NHL. He was drafted anyway. The London Knights put him into programs that he agreed to and went, uh, according to all reports, was more than willing to, to participate. Uh, Montreal did the same thing. Again, more than willing to participate. He had to pass certain tests. He had to pass certain, do certain things and, and, and reach certain milestones to make himself a better person, to make amends for what he did. The victim was uh, brought in and involved in, or the victim and her family was involved with the entire process. And from what I hear, from what I've read, uh, they had to put their stamp of approval on everything as well. Whether that's true or not, that's just what I read. Um, so, but with Miller, it seems he didn't apologize to the family or the victim. He uh, did he put, on Instagram. He he put something out on Instagram, which looks like it was typed up by a lawyer or a, uh, uh, agent or something to make himself look, but he's never went face to face to the victim or the family. Uh, he, he's never done anything to try to improve himself. Uh, but he, his apology did say, this isn't about hockey. Wink, wink. And uh, for the Bruins to go out and do what they did. And then the players came out and said, what the hell's going on here? That, yeah. that I think that's the biggest thing uh, I got out of, uh, out of the entire thing was the, the Bruins players actually came out and said, uh, no, we do not agree with this at all. And uh, just by them saying that, and Gary Bettman saying he's not going to play in the NHL, but uh, <laughs> just by them saying that, if that has a trickle-down effect of the Bruins minor system, then Miller doesn't have a future regardless. So, I mean, Bettman scoring some bonus marks for saying he doesn't belong in the league is great and all, but if if he said that he was not eligible to play in the NHL, why did Central Registry register his contract? I don't know. According to Batman, the NHL was not informed of this before. I mean, let's be honest. Batman let a guy who never owned a business buy a team in the NHL. So let's uh, let's let's you know the Islanders were bought by a guy who had no money and didn't own anything. So the legend of Spano. <laughs> let's uh, you know, uh, <laughs> but I, I agree. Uh, you know. You talk about uh, not he'll never play in the league, yet you have the guys like Tony D'Angelo and, uh, you know, anyone who beat their wife, they, uh, they're they still playing in the league. Evander Kane's still playing in the league, and, you know, there's still word out on him on whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. So, come on. And don't talk like NHL is the only league that has these issues, because uh, they're not. I'm looking at you, NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. Um, so it, it's a sports thing and it's something that needs to change. The culture needs to change. And the Boston Bruins players are showing that they're willing to change that culture just by condemning this entire thing. So even Don Sweeney was like, I don't know. He was wishy-washy. Uh, I don't know if I would have forgiven him if he did that to my kid, but here's a couple million dollars. But since he didn't do it to my kid, everything's okay. We're this cool. had Cam, this had Cam Neely written all over. I mean, this just proves that there's some concussion issues there. Well, maybe he should, <laughs> maybe Seabass should kick his ass. <laughs> now, in the Logan Mayu comparison, we got to keep in mind too with Mayu, it was a one instance, 
one time it happened. He screwed up once. It was horrible what he did, but he just did it once. And he seems to have learned a lesson, whether it's not to do that so that he can keep a job or if he was actually contrite and truly believes he shouldn't do it ever again. Either way. From the reports from his psychologist and everything, they they truly believe he was remorseful for what he did. Whether you believe it or not, it was a one-time thing. He may, And if he does it again, then that's another issue. But for now, it's just once. With Mitchell Miller, it was several years of continuous abuse. Yeah, it was like, so, six, it was like, six, it was like six years or seven years or something yeah. like that. And everyone keeps saying, yeah. oh, he was 14. Well, no, this started when they were like eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. And I have kids around that that age of fourteen. I have a sixteen year old. I've got a I've got a twelve year old. Both of them know that it is bad and wrong to pick on handicapped kids and to use racial slurs and abuse other people. Well, this this argument of oh he was just fourteen is utter bullshit. And you got to think too. Where were the parents? What was his parents saying? Obviously they. All Obviously, right. they knew about it because the other parent was complaining to the school about it. Not so, my angel. Yeah. When I look at the like, when I look at the situation, when you take a a player that looked like he had some promise, and Arizona gets rid of him, a team that's really, you know, could use any a bit any bit of skill in their lineup that they can get and they got rid of them for Boston to to just kind of swoop in and be like oh well we'll give them a chance like you're going to see the trickle down effect throughout the organization and and we already we've already seen it with the way that the players have spoken out about it and I'm glad that they spoke the way that they did and 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 it really shows it really shows that they're that they're they are trying to kind of take that next step and um take this take this seriously because it's it's a move that shouldn't have been made by the Bruins. But he did say he was sorry on Instagram, so I guess that's, yeah, I uh, suppose yeah. that fixed. I guess that fixes everything. Yeah, yeah. So Unreal. back to my tweet. <laughs> I might have worded it wrong. I didn't really take it as much heat as I thought I would. I might have worded it wrong, but the point I was making was. You know, let's see what this guy's true intentions are. However, we already pretty much know what they are. So, and, yeah, and they and they are not to to make himself a better person. They're to make the NHL and make money. That that's his true intention. Yeah, in my opinion, in someone someone like that, I wouldn't want near my team because he doesn't have he doesn't have the team's interest at heart. You're in a team sport. You got to be willing to sacrifice a little bit be it personal stats or, uh, you know, ice time, whatever, to help your team win. This kid is all about this kid and only this kid. Yep. And, and your true colors come out eventually. Like Logan Mayu, if he's an asshole, his true colors will come out as an asshole eventually. They'll yep. come out. You'll you'll see yep. it. Yep. Because once you're an asshole, so you're far, no. an asshole. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I, I get it. I'm a dick. I, I want- live by the Team America World Police worldview. Yeah. There's assholes, there's pussies, and there's dicks. You are what you eat, Blake. That's right. <laughs> Wait, hey, uh, <laughs> just once, twice. Twenty dollars is twenty dollars. <laughs> when you're, when you're in foreign port, when you're in foreign port, need beer money. Twenty dollars is twenty dollars. 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Uh, all right. But so the, clearly Boston fucked up. Uh, Mayu has now fallen behind on the whole uh, NHL hatred scale. Yeah. So he's maybe, maybe this is, it, it's a good deal for Mayu now because he's no longer in the spotlight for bad behavior. The next guy up, uh, it came up to bat. And then when the uh, two uh, rape uh, cases and the names come out on that, whoo, that'll be interesting. Yeah, can- that'll the be hockey Canada ones. Yeah, yeah that'll be interesting. Yeah. That's gonna go. That'll be huge. Woo. 
that'll be interesting to to see what happens in the NHL when uh, names start dropping. Yeah. Depending on who the world is going to burn. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, All right. Well, that does it pretty much for the show. Um, We're going to have an announcement soon about what we're doing with this podcast. There's some big things coming. Uh, I think it's going to be good for all of us. Yeah. (laughs) Almost as big as Treg's biceps. Almost. Almost. (laughs) Definitely bigger than those chicken legs he's standing on. Almost. Yes, definitely. definitely. I don't do do this. I only do legs one leg day. Yeah, leg day is a waste. (laughs) No, but there's going to be some fun stuff coming. Um, We've kind of maxed out what we can do with production and with uh, just about everything. So we're going to have some stuff come up that should help us take this show to the next level and hopefully bring a better product to you guys. I got it. So I'm going to bronze myself up like Trey did. Only, only do one though. Once you do yes. the second coat, once you do the second coat, it's orangey. So, okay. uh, so that's what I'll coat, do. Every time, I, every bronze, time we do a show, I'll be bronze now and I'll just flex the whole time. <laughs> I'll be like, well, okay, my, what was, what was your, what was your flex of the night? And I'll be like, Nick Suzuki was fucking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise I will never spray tan. Yeah. <laughs> never. Again, if you're going to do it, just do the first coat. It looks yeah. good. The second coat, you look like an Oompa Loompa. So always, that's, yeah. not, that's, always that's, that's not a jab at you, Treg. That's not a jab at you. I'm, 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 I'm really proud of you, bud. I, 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 I really am. You did incredible work. Except for the spray tan. I didn't do the spray tan, but <laughs> you have to get it done. So, all right. Uh, does it for this episode. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. Please share the the episodes, tell your friends, force them to listen. If you have to pin them down and press play, we just want as money as many people as possible <laughs> we just want as money, money. <laughs> so that we can make some money yeah Freudian slip there well yeah it's time i i want to be able to afford a pint of beer at mclean's pub on peel street <laughs> that's gonna cost you two hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> or at least a pint of beer yeah or, or or one of the big uh, the towers, towers. Ooh, the towers, the giraffes. Yeah, that'd be nice. But anyway, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to thank you for listening. Keep sending those comments in. Keep attacking Treg on Twitter. Uh, maybe if we make enough money, we can buy the eight dollar uh, Twitter verification for the Habs Unfiltered episode uh, accounts, and then we'll put out all kinds of weird and crazy things. Yeah, oh, we you what, don't know. Say what we want. Free speech. That's right. But anyway, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do 
did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.